I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gene Roddenberry's optimistic view of the future sometimes involved pretty dark scenarios. Space, the final frontier. The iconic opening monologue of Star Trek, the original series, perfectly set the stage for the challenges and adventures for the crew of the Enterprise. And their five-year mission was, well, let's say, packed through some very bright, but also some dark times. Yes, just like any frontier, the unknown scenarios would sometimes lead down some particularly dark paths. Most of the time, the Enterprise's adventures would have happy endings, even a joke or two, but that didn't negate some of the truly, truly disturbing situations that the crew members found themselves in while seeking out new forms of life and new civilizations. Star Trek was never afraid of going dark if the story required it, and that darkness created some of the show's most memorable moments. So, let's have it. Here is the 13 darkest Star Trek, the original series, moments. Number 13, Triskelion Society in the Gamesters of Triskelion. What started as a standard landing party for Kirk, Chekhov and Uhura quickly turned into a nightmare when the transporter beam is hijacked and takes them to a completely different planet. They're captured and forced to work as like kind of gladiators by the disembodied brains who run planet Triskelion. Obedience is enforced through some collars of obedience, for want of a better set of words, and they're forced to compete in battles to the death. Of course, Kirk finds a way to get to the providers and convince them that it's better to help the thralls live in freedom and lead better lives for themselves, rather than keep them as these kind of gladiator slave type sources of entertainment. But the dark lives of the thralls, the life that the landing party was subject to for a time, well, that wasn't really likely to change immediately as soon as they had this conversation. For me, that's a pretty dark way to start this list. Number 12, the alien force in Day of the Dove. A life form that feeds literally on conflict and hatred fuels a battle between the Enterprise crew and the stranded crew of a Klingon battlecruiser. It warps their perception of reality and gives them false memories. The most notable instance of how the creature can alter memories is Chekhov's insistence. He insists that he lost a brother to a Klingon raid and he hates them for it. But in reality, he's an only child. This mysterious being even has the power to revive the dead, right? Neither side truly really knows if they are seeing reality or some illusion fed to them by the creature. And this causes some pretty interesting conversations and almost big battles. And it's only when both sides realize that they're being used that they come up with this awesome plan to drive the creature off the Enterprise. Dark. 
Number 11, the Eminia slash Vendica war in a taste of Armageddon. A war fought by computers sounds great. No one has to die. But in the Eminia and Vendica war, people who are labeled as virtual casualties are expected to report to a disintegration station and die in real life. Both the Eminia and Vendica agree that this is a safer and cleaner way of fighting the war. And they even convince their citizens that dying in a disintegration chamber is the only way to ensure that the war does not destroy their respective cultures. Kirk argues that by making the war sterile and pleasant, they've forgotten why war is so terrible in the first place. And they're willing to keep their citizen brainwashed into believing it's a better way to kill themselves than actually let a real war be fought. So by doing so, they've made the war almost impossible to end. That's dark. Number 10, Rainer's fate in Requiem for Methuselah. Kirk, Spock and McCoy beam down to a small planet in the Omega system to get some urgently needed medication for the ship's crew. Whilst they're there, they encounter the reclusive billionaire Flint and his young ward Rainer. Whilst Flint claims that Rainer is the daughter of two of his employees who died in a tragic accident, the truth is far more chilling. The beautiful and intelligent Rainer is an android, a companion Flint actually built to ease his loneliness. But since Rainer is falling in love with Kirk, Flint wants to do everything he can to get Kirk and his crew out of the way. Rainer is horrified by everything that Flint does and tries to break free of her android programming. But free will is a brand new concept to her and her artificial brain can't choose between Flint and Kirk. She starts to fall in love with both and this conflict short circuits her brain and ultimately kills her. Now, Rainer may have been an android, but her death cut as deeply as a human's. Dark. Number nine, the festival in the return of the Archons. Now this gets a little bit weird, but just stay with me, all right? Now Kirk leads a landing party to Beta 3 to determine what happened to a missing crewman. The town where they land assumes that they are there to participate in a festival. An affair where the stroke of six on the clock means that people go absolutely crazy. Now the festival lasts all night and the truly chilling part is after all of this crazy purge-like stuff happens, in the morning, everyone acts like nothing has happened. Now considering how unnaturally calm the townspeople are when the landing party arrived, the last thing that they expected was a wild outburst of the festival. Now the fact that they didn't participate in the festival, well that actually turned a few heads and it made them the target of scrutiny and suspicion, adding a level of danger to an already volatile situation. Now, Definitely, definitely has a purgy vibe to this episode. It's, it's weird, it's weird. Anyway, it's also dark. Number eight, Adona's illness in the Mark of Gideon. The planet Gideon suffers from severe overpopulation. I'm talking the underground central line train at 8.45 pre-coronavirus. You know that feeling when you've been in a car with your family all day traveling to see some other family and then you're just like, ah, get off me. They're like that all the time. That's, that's their whole life. So the Ambassador Hodin comes up with a plan to introduce death and disease into the population so there's less people. Now, his daughter Adona volunteers to be the first infected patient. So he as a dad says, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna let you die because you're my daughter. I can't do that. And no, the, um, the Ambassador's totally fine with it and says, yeah, sure, crack on. And also while I'm at it, I'm gonna keep harvesting a virus from Kirk's blood to finish the job off on this world as well. Now, the fact that a high-ranking official was willing to try such a drastic plan, literally kill his own child to save the planet is, well, yeah man, 
That's dark. Number seven, the Vian's plan in the empath. The sun in the Vian solar system is about to go nova and they can only save the population of one planet. So during their test for determining which species to save, they capture a young empath called Jem from one of the threatened planets and they torture people in front of her to gauge her reaction to, to, to well, their reasoning is, is that only the bravest, most compassionate species deserves to be saved. So in order to find out who that is, well, they take people, make them suffer in front of her and see what she does. They want to see her willingness to alleviate the suffering of others and it's supposed to help the Vians decide whether or not her species is the one that they save. Well, let's be honest, when we see her taking on their pain consistently to the point of pretty much no return, well, it's fair to say the episode gets pretty dark. Number six, Charlie's takeover. Charlie was an orphan who was the only survivor of a shipwreck that happened when he was just three years old. I mean, we could stop there, that's pretty dark already. But when the crew of the USS Antares discover him, they arrange to take him to the Enterprise. Well, actually, they don't arrange him. They can't bloody wait to get him off their ship and onto the Enterprise. They even turn down an offer of Saurian brandy, which, if I'm honest, I ain't ever saying no to. I'm at least sticking around to get a couple of bottles of that good stuff. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, they <laughs> agree with the Enterprise for them to take them to the Starbase where his relatives live. So after spending so much time alone, Charlie's eager to make friends with other humans, but <laughs> he can't quite get the nick of human interactions. I mean, he even slaps an officer's bottom in a rather inappropriate way as well. But he gets easily frustrated like teenagers do as well. And the only difference between him and a regular teenager is that when he does this, he can distort reality however he pleases. He's like a kind of Q before we saw Q. Now, it's the nature of these distortions where the episode gets particularly dark. He turns one crew member into an old lady, freezes another, then stops a group of crew from laughing by, check this, removing their faces and just putting skin there instead. It's a nightmare for everyone involved, but seen as later, it's a nightmare for Charlie as well. Well, this episode gets dark. More about that in a sec. Number five, Garth's insanity in whom gods destroy. Kirk and Spock are held prisoner by Garth of Izar. Great name. Good old Garth. A Starfleet hero who has fallen victim to insanity. Now, he's taken over the asylum where he had been receiving treatment and now plans to take control of the Enterprise. Once the Enterprise is in his command, he intends to strike out and take his revenge on his former crew. Now, not only do his quickly changing moods make him kind of a dangerous opponent, he also has a little skill set that he's picked up over the years. He can shapeshift. He can alter his appearance to appear as literally anyone. Now, combine this talent with his capricious moods and the fact that it's imperative that he does not get near a starship and just their general weird interactions in that kind of asylum. Well, it makes that episode dark. Number four, the mirror universe in Mirror Mirror. Boom. After this accident with a transporter during an ion storm, Kirk, McCoy, Scotty and Uhura are horrified to find themselves in a distorted version of their own reality. One where Spock has facial hair. Also, it's where cruelty is expected and murder is an acceptable way of advancing in the ranks. To blend in, they must adopt the same depraved attitudes of those around them, no matter how much it sickens them. 
they have to go totally opposite to the Starfleet training that they've been given all over the years. Now, adding to the stress of unfamiliar surroundings, it's literally a race against time to get back to their proper universe. If they miss, if they miss this narrow time frame that's available, they'll be trapped in this nightmarish parody of their home for the rest of their lives. This is obviously the first time we see this dark theme crop up in Star Trek, and it's so dark that, well, they bring it back a few times. Number three, Sharon's destruction in Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Beale had been chasing Lokai for years as a result of them being on opposite sides of their planet's race war over, check it, different skin color. One race was black on the right and white on the left, and the other race was black on the left side of their body and white on the right. Star Trek once again spelling it out for you and breaking down how stupid the actual idea of racism is. <sighs> and it's a 50-year-old show we're looking at. I mean, look, Star Trek, I salute you for giving us those messages that long ago. But anyway, once they finally return to Sharon, they find that, oh, bollocks. My green screen. <laughs> when they finally return to Sharon, they find that their people have destroyed themselves and they're the only two left. Does this mean that they say, hey, let's throw down the gauntlets and let's actually be bigger than our races and let's come together? No, it actually fuels their hatred of each other even more. So their war had lasted so long, no one even remembered why it started in the first place, but it ended in mutual destruction, a destruction that could not be stopped an absolute tragedy that should have helped two men reconcile their differences. But each blames the other side so much they're determined to carry on the battle even though there is no reason left to fight. A 50-year-old episode that is dark and unfortunately still so relevant today. Number two, the Platonians torture in Plato's stepchildren. The Platonians used their telekinesis to torture Kirk and Spock, using their duress to pressure McCoy into staying on the planet. Now, they're cold, they're egotistical, and they clearly have no regard for the lives of those they deem lesser. To them, their telekinesis is just like a useful tool for manipulating others into doing exactly what they want. At first, this treatment was limited to Alexander, but they couldn't pass up the opportunity to try it on Kirk and Spock if it meant getting to McCoy to do what they wanted. Now, I laugh a little bit when I see the kind of Kirk doing the horse thing. Yeah, But when you really think about how demeaning it is for them to get Kirk to ride around on his, on his knees pretending to be a horse and making Spock be emotional. Well, you've got to understand that's pretty dark and it didn't even stop there. They later forced Uhura and Chapel to beam down so they could torture them as well. It was only when Kirk managed to challenge their leader that they backed down and showed a tiny bit of remorse. Sick and also dark. Number one. Charlie's fate in Charlie X. But I told you I'd get back to him. Now the tragedy of Charlie Evans is twofold. He'd spent most of his life alone and all he wanted to do was fit in, but he was easily frustrated by a society that he couldn't understand and took his frustrations out the only way that he knew how, with his sick powers. Now as a result, he was doomed to live his entire life surrounded by aliens because his powers actually made him too dangerous to live with us regular humans. Now, the Thasians had given him powers to actually help him survive, but since Charlie had proven that he couldn't be trusted, to them, well, they thought, humans, they're not for you. It's their responsibility for them to take Charlie back to their planet and take care of him. 
Charlie's temper and impetuous nature certainly made him dangerous, including the added darkness as disgust of him killing crew members by vanishing their faces and leaving skin in the place of where they should be able to breathe through. Well, he was forced to spend his life surrounded by immaterial aliens because he couldn't hurt them. That was a sad fate for a lonely boy who just wanted people to like him. And as he begs for forgiveness to Kirk and the crew and even the people trying to take him, both the Enterprise and Charlie himself, both seem to be victims at the end of this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 